You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Our scripture reading today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured, poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of God. For the people of God. God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may have heard me say this before, but I grew up in the best neighborhood. It was built in the late 70s, and uh, Isbister Elementary School backed up to it, and the Plymouth Canton High School was just on the corner. I grew up in Plymouth, and uh, it was just great. We knew all of our neighbors because they, we'd all built the houses at the same time, and so we'd have neighborhood picnics on Memorial Day and Fourth of July and Labor Day, and my, our back door neighbors had a pool, and they would put out a windsock Every once in a while in the summer, it was a fish. And when that fish windsock was out, that meant that anybody could come and swim. And so we would all go and swim, and we'd look out for that windsock. It was the only fence in the backyard. Everyone was great friends. Well, maybe not everyone. There were three houses out of the 120 that we really didn't know. They didn't come to the picnics. They didn't come to the pool. In fact, one of the houses built a privacy fence when they moved in. 
one picnic, the owner of that house was out trimming um, around the privacy fence when she uh, was trimming near some water and actually um, was electrocuted. A neighbor saw out uh, his window that she had fallen or she was down and, and called 911 and all of the neighbors, this was a picnic day, so all the neighbors were together and, and came over and they were able to resuscitate her and help her and, and she was fine. She gave the people who helped her a gift and we thought, well, maybe this will change the relationships, but she moved out not too long after. I often kind of wonder about her having not really known her. As an adult, with one exception, all of the neighborhoods that my family has lived in, we've really only known one other family. Um, not many of the neighborhoods we lived in had kids, and I don't know, I think at a certain point you just count on them to help you connect. And to be honest, I haven't always had a lot of energy to go out and meet my neighbors after work, I admit it. Neighbors, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're talking about. Four years ago, prior to the pandemic, the Pew uh, Research Group explored several aspects of community life in the United States, including neighborly relations. They discovered that older Americans are more likely to know their neighbors than younger ones. And those um, aged 18 to 29, they knew 2% of all of their neighbors, 20% knew most neighbors, 54% knew some neighbors, and 23% knew no neighbors at all. Whereas in the 65 and up category, 6% know all of their neighbors, 34% know most of their neighbors, and 23, or excuse me, and 56% know some of their neighbors, while only 4% know none of their neighbors. Even in the digital age, Neighborly interactions are still more likely to happen in person than through text or email, they discovered. And two-thirds of Americans who know their neighbors would trust them with their house keys. Social events among neighbors are relatively rare. And among those who know at least some of their neighbors, 58% say they never meet them for parties or uh, get-togethers. Rural residents are more likely to know most of their neighbors, but not necessarily interact with them. So all of this kind of begs the question for us, if we don't even know our neighbors, how do we love our neighbors, let alone love everyone? Our Lenten theme is love in action, and we're using Tom Berlin's book, Reckless Love, Jesus' Call to Love Our Neighbor. Now, we'll be looking at the stories of Jesus' life and see how we can follow in his footsteps by loving our neighbor. And if you haven't yet signed up for a small group, you can still go online and sign up for a group that's studying this book. Tom Berlin writes, It's only when we commit to love our neighbor and intentionally accomplish this goal that we learn what it is to fully love God. Our scripture today is the neighbor scripture. It's probably familiar to most of us, if not all. It's a parable, a telling of a story. Jesus used parables to teach lessons. He took ordinary things that everyone could relate to to give a greater uh, meaning and teach a lesson. In today's scripture, Jesus is being set up. 
The teacher asks him what he must do to inherit eternal life. He's testing Jesus, and Jesus asks him back, okay, what does the scripture say? It says, love your neighbor, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered right, Jesus said. Yeah, but who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells the parable. We know it. Man is on his way to Jericho. We can assume that he's a Jew, and he's on his way to Jericho. And he's beat up and left on the side of the road, and a priest comes by, and he does not help. And then a Levite comes by who also doesn't help. The Levites were religious people who worked in the synagogue, who prepared for worship and things like that. Neither the priest nor the Levite could touch the man on the side of the road because religious law forbade it. They would be unclean and then never, not able to do their jobs. And so they opted to follow the law and just walk by. And then a Samaritan comes by. And we need to understand that Samaritans at that time um, were considered by the Jews to be really just awful people in general. They did not want anything to do with them. Um, they were not particularly nice and uh, they were kind of enemies. And so a Samaritan comes by, and he's the one who has concern and compassion for the man on the side of the road. He helps him. This story shows us that the religious law that was being followed doesn't favor those in need. It shows us that the people you expect to be jerks, because that's what you've heard about them, can be very kind and generous. It shows us that neighbors don't just live next door, that neighbors are anyone we offer compassion to, and neighbors are people who teach us about God. Tom Berlin says, the pattern of loving God and loving neighbor creates a virtuous cycle that has a powerful outcome in the life of a Christ follower. Now, Bob Goff has become one of my favorite writers. If you're part of my uh, book club, we're reading this next month uh, his book, Everybody Always. <coughs> and in that book, he tells a story about uh, how his family got to choose their neighbor. See, the house across from them had become, uh, been put up for sale, and they had always liked that house, and they'd always kind of... Uh, wanted to live in that house, and so they went ahead and bought that house and then had to sell their original house. And so in the selling of their house, they interviewed the people who were interested until they found one that they wanted to have as a neighbor. And so they chose a woman named Carol, and Carol became part of their family. She became a grandmother to their children and a friend to them all. She was included in their family celebrations, and when Carol was diagnosed with cancer, Bob went out and bought a walkie-talkie so that she could contact him whenever she needed him. Bob and his family walked through cancer with Carol and loved her to the end. I don't know if you have any neighbors like that. Jesus commanded that we love our neighbors. When we do that, some pretty cool things can happen. But he also commanded us to do that because it's an easy first step. It's an easy first step in loving all when we start with our neighbors. But we have to be courageous and get to know our neighbors. I wonder, do you know all of your neighbors? 
I don't. Uh, <clears throat> what would it take for you to get to know a neighbor that you've never talked to before? Not all neighbors are like Carol, but what would it take for you to love a neighbor also who's maybe rubbed you the wrong way? Tom Berlin writes, it sounds like a good idea to love your neighbor. In fact, it sounds virtuous and beautiful, but if you would have been in the crowd standing around Jesus, listening to him talking about loving your neighbor, and you would have turned your head and started examining exactly who your neighbor was, I bet you would have thought, this is going to be tricky. There's a guy who lives next door to you who likes to stay up late and sit outside and play the liar until all hours of the night. And to your left is the woman down the street who always tell you, tells you, I'm so worried about your children, I pray for them. They never seem to be supervised. <laughs> Across the way is the guy who sells you fish in the market. His weights seem to be balanced in his favor. And I'm supposed to love these people? Sure, there are nice people around you as well, but there have been times when each of them has been difficult to love. I'm sure each of us has a neighbor who might be difficult to love, or maybe not. Maybe we just don't know our numbers and you're thinking, or are your neighbors, and we're thinking, I've lived in my house for more than 10 years. I can't just go and meet my neighbor now. Or they've lived here for just as long as me, and they never came to meet me. Or they moved in two years ago. It's too late for me to go and meet them now after I didn't welcome them then. And I don't know about my neighbor, but they had a sign supporting a politician that I disagree with in their yard, so I'm not sure that I want to be too friendly with them. But if we're really going to take our Lenten journey seriously and practice loving our neighbor, we're called to put love in action. Shouldn't we start with our neighbors? Take advantage of a mail mix-up or let your dog do the talking or leave a note at the door. Take in their recycling bin. Compliment them when you see them. Berlin writes, when I love my neighbor, I experience the rewarding feeling that comes when I'm kind to another or when I surprise someone with a thoughtful act and they appreciate greatly and didn't anticipate it. When I love my neighbor, I build up existing relationships and begin new ones. Of course, we also know that when Jesus says love your neighbor, he's not really being literal. Today's parable shows us that well. When Jesus says love your neighbor, he means love everyone. Now, I believe that we as a church are good at loving those in need. We're good at loving the underdog, the outcast, the bullied, the different. It's part of why I love this church. But I wonder... Do we love the bully, the blowhard, the one who placed that sign in their neighborhood who, or on their lawn that we disagree with? Do we love those we don't approve of or those who we don't want to be around? That's a whole different story. I can love someone who's different from me, but someone who I don't like because they're not nice, Someone who's mean or someone who doesn't seem to love God's people. Someone who's outwardly racist or sexist or homophobic. Someone 
like that? To love someone who's never kind or who insults people or someone who's never got anything good to say? Someone who picks on children or senior citizens? The guy at Kroger with no patience for the uh, bagger with special needs? I'm supposed to love him? Or, as it was said to me after service, what about Putin? I'm supposed to love him? Yeah. You know how to love him? Pray for him. Pray for God to soften his heart. Pray for him to move on and stop the madness. Prayer is a way to love. People don't change also when we're rude or mean to them or, or we ignore them and don't bother. What would happen if we were just simply kind to the one who struggles with kindness? That would certainly be putting love into action. And friends, perhaps our love could change their minds, change their hearts. If we're truly going to do the work of love and action, then we've got to love first and love broadly. Love those we don't want anything to do with, not subjecting ourselves to abuse, but giving it a shot and see what might happen. Tom Berlin says, Love is not a principle in which we believe. It's not an aspiration we hope to attain. It is an orientation that sets the course of our daily words and actions. If we are putting love into action, then it shows in our conversations, how we listen, how we extend value. It shows in the assumptions we make, we assume the best, and we suppress our tendencies to fall back on prejudices. It shows in what we do when we think of others and bless them and extend love and grace by how we treat people. When we do these things, we put love into action, we draw closer to God, and we appreciate God's goodness. One more quote from Tom Berlin. He says, Loving your neighbor will enable you to appreciate the beauty of God in new ways. As a result, you will find yourself more attracted to God and more in love with the one who created all these people you have grown to know and appreciate. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.